0: Join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.
1: No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are
0: on life's journey, you are welcome welcome here. here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut or Colorado, the United States or Europe or anywhere in the world.
2: We are continuing the Easter story as is Christian tradition. We are in the season of Easter. And so our story picks up, our scripture this morning picks up where we left off on Easter. Morning, last week, we are reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. This is um, later in the day on the first Easter Sunday. When it was evening on that day, The first day of the week and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the people. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he said this, he breathed onto them. And he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the lord but thomas said to them unless i put the mark unless i see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger on the mark of the nails and my hand in his side i will not believe a week later his disciples were again in the house and thomas was with them Although the doors were shut, Jesus came to them and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it on my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, "'Have you believed because you have seen? "'Blessed are those who have not seen "'and yet will come to believe.'" Words of wisdom and a story of mystery for us this morning. I wonder how many of you grew up with a picture of Jesus uh, maybe in your house or in a church that you attended. Is there anybody in here that grew up with a picture of Jesus somewhere? Yeah. What was that picture uh, like? Okay. Yeah, the um, kind of European Jesus with the like the brown blonde hair. What else? White clothing, yes. A crucifix. Clean clothing. Clean clothing. <laughs> Smiling. What did you say? Orthodox. Humility. And the Orthodox icon, yeah. Yeah, a lot of diver- diversity of images of Jesus right here in this room. I saw this um, picture. I ordered this for our kids' bulletin board a couple years ago. And it was an image that um, struck me because it was a little different than some of the other things that I had seen in the past. And I liked it in part uh, because it really shows what it might mean to let the children come, the way that Jesus says. Um, There's some holy mischief happening in that picture. But I also liked it because Jesus seems to be laughing. Like more laughter than just kind of the smile that we might get, the humble smile or kind of that beatific smile. And I don't often see pictures of Jesus laughing. Sometimes we see a lot more serious Things. And I think it is because uh, we have our most common image that we return to in our minds is Jesus on a cross. Even if we aren't in a tradition that has a crucifix, we have the symbolism of the cross. And I think some of it is because we are so eager to follow Jesus, and we talk about the focus on the sacrifice and the hard work that his way of life asks of us. And so we don't often connect that with laughter. But in life, in the stories that we have of Jesus, we hear multifaceted things. We know that Jesus attended dinners with friends. We know that he went to weddings, that he turned water into wine, that he had picnics and that he used feast as a metaphor. Jesus might have been kind of prone to attending some parties. And our scripture this morning takes us to that resurrection story, where Jesus appears to some of those same friends that he has met along the way, and we noticed that the story happened in two parts. There's the first part that happens on the evening of Easter, and the second part that happens a week later. That's when Thomas is back with the disciples. And I wanna ponder a question this morning about what the week in between was like. John says it was fearful. He says that the disciples are locked in a room because they're afraid of the authorities. Some have said that that week might have been full of doubt. Right, we have the story, Thomas doesn't quite believe the other disciples and he insists on seeing him for himself. It was almost certainly confusing, sad. But I also wonder what laughter happened in that time. You've probably all been to funerals or memorial services or even sat by the bed of a loved one in a hard time And so you know how those moments go. The tears and the smiles intermingle, don't they? I imagine that somewhere in between the grief and the confusion, the disciples told stories. They might have told stories like, remember that time that Jesus said that we had to take a log out of our own eye? You remember that time that Jesus fell asleep on the boat in the middle of the storm? Those are the stories of laughter that we tell in times of grief. I was thinking about that today because this Sunday, the second Sunday after Easter is sometimes observed as Holy Humor Sunday or Bright Sunday. And it's an old tradition from uh, the Greek church, whoever mentioned the Greek um, Orthodox icons, but it's been making a resurgence in American churches probably in the past 20 or so years. And the idea is to celebrate this Sunday uh, with joke telling. So something like a church comedy festival. And the idea might have been based originally on something like laughing at death or laughing at evil because life and love had ultimately won the celebration took us to a place of laughter. It was a little bit as joyful, like Easter Sunday is, but less triumphant and more comedic. So it was that tradition that caused me to wonder about the spirituality of laughter in general. And it's not that I think that you need to be told or that any of us need to be told that we have to laugh, because I experience this group to generally be a pretty fun group. We often have moments of laughter in church. But I also think that it's not uncommon for us to wonder if that's okay. Or even for someone to say, I didn't know church could be fun, We think of spirituality happening in spite of silliness, not because of it. Last year, Stephen Colbert was interviewing singer Dua Lipa when she turned the tables on him and she asked him about the role that laughter plays in his faith life. And rather than trying to summarize all of that for you because he gave a long, beautiful answer, um, I thought we would just watch that clip of that interview together this morning. So I think, so I think something, something that something your that uh, viewers really, really connect with in your in comedy and your hosting comedy, skills, yes. especially in the like, past few years, is how, how open and how honest and authentic, authentic you are about the role your, role your faith plays, plays in your life. Oh, and uh, I WAS WONDERING, wondering, IS THERE ANY, any, YOU KNOW, DOES YOUR FAITH AND YOUR your COMEDY comedy EVER OVERLAP, overlap? AND And DOES ONE one EVER ever WIN OUT? out?
1: I THINK ULTIMATELY, ultimately US ALL BEING MORTAL, THE FAITH WILL WIN OUT AT THE END. (laughs) (laughs) BUT I CERTAINLY HOPE WHEN I GET TO HEAVEN, JESUS HAS A SENSE OF humor. But I'll say this. I'll say this. Uh, someone was asking me earlier about what I. This is this relates to faith because my faith is involved with. I'm, I'm a Christian and a Catholic, and that's we're, we're always connected to the idea of um, love and sacrifice being somehow related, and giving yourself to other people, and that death is not defeat, if you if you can see where I'm getting at there. Someone asked me earlier what movie did I really enjoy this year and I said well I really like Belfast which is Kenneth Brana's story of his childhood and one of the reasons I love it is that I'm Irish and uh, I'm Irish American and it's such an Irish movie um, and I think this is also a Catholic thing because it's, it's funny and it's sad and it's funny about being sad. In the same way that sadness is like a little bit of an emotional death but not a defeat if you can find a way to laugh about it because that laughter keeps you from having fear of it. And fear is the thing that keeps you from turning to evil devices to save you from the sadness. As Robert Hayden said, we must not be frightened or cajoled into accepting evil as our deliverance from evil. We must keep struggling to maintain our humanity, though monsters of abstraction threaten and police us. So if there's some relationship between my faith and my comedy, it's that no matter what happens, you are never defeated. You must understand and see this in the light of eternity and find some way to love and laugh with each other.
0: Wow. Colbert, everybody.
2: Not a bad answer off the cuff, is it? <laughs> it was that middle piece of what he said that um, struck me, and there might have been something different that struck you, but that part about sadness being a little bit of an emotional death, but not a defeat if you can find a way to laugh about it. And that laughter keeps us from having a fear of it. In that kind of framework, laughter isn't just allowed in the life of faith, it's required. Because it's laughter that's going to allow us to be courageous in the face of all of the deaths and the defeats that we might experience. And I want to say that that's not to say that we can't be honest when we're experiencing a hard time. It's not that we always have to put a bright face on, it's just that in the hard times, when we wonder, is it okay to take a break and to laugh a little, the answer is yes. Laughter shores us up for the journey. Teresa of Avila said, God save us from dour-faced saints. And I wonder if it's because people who can't laugh are brittle. And brittle people break when life gets hard. Which takes us back to the disciples in the room. Because like them, we are living in this in-between time. We have begun to get glimpses of the resurrection. We know the stories. We've had religious experiences of our own. We believe in the possibility, but we also know that we're not fully there yet. And as we navigate between that already and the not yet, laughter is our friend. That's why I imagine the disciples might have shared some laughter as they gathered and grieved and wondered in that room. And it's why I have to playfully wonder a little bit about how Jesus showed up to them. Remember, right at the middle there, he comes to them and he breathes on them. And we're familiar with that idea because God breathes life into creation in the creation stories from Genesis. Jesus breathes life, new life, into creation. But if we consider what laughter is, which Reverend Susan Sparks defines as breath plus energy, then we have an interesting possibility. What if laughter is the life force of the world? Breath plus energy. More to the point, maybe for today, is what difference would it make in your relationship with God if you saw God as the kind of God who might laugh creation into being, not just blow on it like candles on a birthday cake? It's not a completely new wandering. Meister Eckhart, who lived in the 14th century, said when the father laughs at the son and the son laughs back at the father that laughter gives pleasure and the pleasure gives joy and the joy gives love and that love is the holy spirit similar connection and important to become to ponder because it means that laughter is deeply connected with love it's not just allowed It's transformational. As we think about that together this morning, I'm hoping you would be up for taking a few minutes, turning to somebody near you, or maybe scooting a little bit closer if you're comfortable, and sharing a time when laughter helped you through something. When has laughter helped you through something? And we'll take just a few moments for that. If you're joining uh, online and there's not somebody near you, or if you prefer to think and ponder on your own, this can be a question for quiet meditation or for journaling. But we'll spend just a couple minutes with time to think about that. So, no call and I'll go down there. Did you come up with some things, some memories, or maybe even something that you are working on now? I wanted to go there with our personal experiences and and really drawing onto those. Memories, because we are living into this resurrection time, this resurrection season in the church year, and we spent Lent letting go and picking up. And so this Easter season, I wondered if we might be willing to extend that theme, but with the idea that a good practice might be to uh, pick up laughter, And sometimes it's easier to think about picking up laughter than picking up joy or picking up happiness because uh, those feel like very big things to try to find. But laughter, finding something that makes you laugh, even if that means you are scrolling through YouTube looking for a clip of a comedian at 10 o'clock at night to get your laughter for the hit, that's a little bit easier to set as a goal. So, for this Easter season, let's experiment just with picking up laughter. Low key, <laughs> picking up laughter. I'll be curious to hear what that brings for each of you.
0: This morning, Robert and I will be performing Sile Charmant Gazon. Does anyone here speak French? No. Yes, it's in French. So I'm gonna give you some uh, translations briefly. It's lots of springtime imagery, it's very beautiful. Um, it starts out with, if there's a lovely grassy, grassy plot watered by the sky where in every season some flower blossoms, where one can freely gather lilies or lys in French, woodbines and jasmines or jassements in French, I, will, I wish to make it the path on which, which you place your feet. If there is a loving breast, which, uh, where honor our rules, where tender devotion is free from all gloominess, if this noble breast always beats for a worthy aim, I wish to make it the pillow on which you lay your head. If there is a dream of love scented with roses, where one finds every day something gentle and sweet, a dream blessed by God, where soul is joined to soul, oh, I wish to make it the nest in which you rest your head.